Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So we are in part four of a sermon series called To Be Continued, and it's the story from our death to eternity, and we started out in um, in our first series or our first sermon, and we talked about what happens when we die. Okay, so what happens when we die? Brief overview. I'm not going to go into detail. Is that believers and I have only during the sermon series, I only take the path of the because there is a path for unbelievers too, but it's. It's not a lot goes on. Uh, for the believer, though, when we die, the first thing that happens is Jesus comes and gets us. And we talked about that because Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. When the time is ready, I'm going to come and get you. Okay. And so if he's going to come and if Jesus said it, I believe it. So for the believer, first thing that happens whenever we die is Jesus comes and gets us. Okay. The second thing that happens is we go to a place called paradise where uh, we enjoy uh, a lot of things until uh, some things happen on earth and the rapture happens and all this stuff. But while we're in heaven, we do the marriage supper, or the marriage of, the, of Christ and, and the church. There's a big wedding. There's the award ceremony for those of us who have given their lives to God. And it's a judgment, but it's a rewards judgment. We are only judged on the good things that we did and we get rewarded for those. So uh, anyway, that's what we talked about uh, in the, well, what happens when we die. And in part two, we talked about paradise, which is the wedding and uh, the award ceremony and the, uh, the rapture. Then last week, we talked about the second advent of Christ. Now, advent is a very, very fancy word that just means Jesus coming back to earth. Okay, the first advent was 2,000 years ago. About 2,023 years ago, that was the first advent. The second advent happens after the tribulation period on earth, after our wedding and award ceremony in, in paradise. When Jesus comes back, we come back with him. We get resurrected bodies then, okay? When we come back with Jesus, we have brand new bodies. Never again will we be uh, tempted by sin. We'll never be hot, cold, sad, blah, 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 right? We're being redeemed bodies. And we talked about the thousand year reign of Christ on earth. And a lot of people, man, I would say that most Christians, unfortunately, have a Sunday school idea of what heaven is going to be like. Okay, they think that St. Peter's at some pearly gates, which is bull, okay, it's not like that, and and we're not going to be up in the clouds, and we're not going to become angels, okay, that's all, that's all Sunday school worldly ideas of, of what heaven is like, but that's what we are going to talk about today, is what happens after the thousand year reign of Christ, and, and here's the thing, guys, most people don't really understand what heaven is. They don't know where it is. They don't know what it is. And they don't know what we're going to be doing. We're going to talk about that today. So we left off at the thousand year reign of Christ on earth. Okay. We are living beside 
humans. We have died, gone to paradise with Jesus and God and seen God, got our rewards from him. We come back down in redeemed bodies, but there are still humans living on earth that have not died yet, right? We as the church get to rule the nations with Christ, okay? We will be put in charge of helping these people know Christ before they die. Okay, so at the end of this thousand years is marked by a single significant event. Now, if you remember, when Christ comes back to earth and brings us with him, right? All the believers with him in redeemed bodies. What happens is the Antichrist and the false prophet and all those with the mark of the beast are thrown into the lake of fire. That is the permanent hell, not the halfway hell, the permanent hell, right? Satan and his demons, though, are locked in his what is called the abyss. It is not hell, but they are removed from the earth. But after the thousand-year reign of Christ, and the thousand-year reign of Christ is the physical fulfillment of spiritual promises. People are living to be eight, nine hundred years old. And, and in Revelation, it says that somebody that dies before they're 100 years old will be like they're cursed for some reason. They will live long lives. Animals, there won't be any carnivores or herbivores. It says the lions will eat straw just like the ox will, okay? But after the thousand year reign, a single event happens. Satan is turned loose. Satan and his demons are turned loose. Now, by this time, after a thousand years and people are living, you know, Eight, nine hundred years, possibly even a thousand years, right? The Bible says that they will live as long as trees. The humans, not us. We're going to live forever because we're in redeemed bodies, but the ones that are still alive. Satan is released after the thousand years. Him and his demons deceive the world. And there's going to be one last battle because for some reason, even though Jesus is ruling bodily for a thousand years on earth, the wickedness of man is still evident and they turn against God and they come against Jesus in Israel. And basically, this is what happens. Revelation 20, verse 7. When the thousand years comes to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He deceives the nations once more, but when they come against Jesus, Fire comes down from heaven and them sons of guns are smoted, right? I mean, this is no nonsense. We're not going to lift a finger. You're against me. Kadoosh, right? Skadoosh. Fire from heaven. Kills everybody, right? Satan and his demons are then... Cat is a very short war. Very short. I mean, they come against... Jesus kills their... Or, Fire comes down from heaven, destroys everybody. Then Satan and all of his demons are thrown into the lake of fire forever. Never, ever, ever to influence mankind again. Did you hear what I said? That is when Satan and his demons are thrown into the lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Never to step foot or influence mankind again. Okay? Then, after the great battle, when Satan is cast into the lake of fire, then it is the second resurrection, the resurrection of the dead. And what that means is it, it, 
us as believers, we followed our trail from living on earth. We go to paradise during the tribulation. When Jesus comes back, we come back with him in resurrected bodies. We live for a thousand years on earth while Jesus rules bodily from Jerusalem and his vice president is King David. Okay, His regent is King David. But for those that have gone to hell, they have just been in hell the whole time. And what does hell? And I know, you know, us preachers, you know, ah, it's just hell, fire and brimstone. Man, y'all probably never heard me talk about any of this stuff. So I'm not a hell, fire and brimstone, but I am a truth person. Because this is what the Bible says about hell, that you are alone, right? You are alone. All of this stupid, stupid idea of like, well, if I can't take my God, my, my dog to heaven, then I'll just party with my buddies in hell. No, you won't. You are going to be, com people that are in hell are completely alone, completely alone in complete darkness with heat and suffering and no end. You can't fall asleep. You can't pass out. You can't. I guess you could pray, but it ain't going to do you no good. You're in hell. But after all of this stuff has happened that we've been talking about, then the dead, hell is emptied out, and those people that were in hell get resurrected bodies as well. Permanent bodies. And then it's the great white throne of judgment. And that's found in Revelation 20.15. It says, And anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation 20, 15. Those who rejected God are judged and thrown into the lake of fire. This is a trial and a sentencing. Okay? They are resurrected and they are judged on one thing and one thing alone. What is it? Was their name written in the book of life? No, that's why they were in hell. Why wasn't their name in the book of life? Because they rejected God and the one that he sent. They rejected God. So, sin must be punished. Your sins must be punished. The thing is, is that when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Jesus bore your punishment. These people did not accept Jesus. They have to suffer their own punishment. And because their name is not written in the book of life, all of them are thrown into the lake of fire and the gates are closed. It's sealed up. No more in, no more out, nothing. Death and the grave are also thrown in. No more death Ever. Can you imagine what that will be like? And I want you to know that only now, where we're at in this timeline, okay, we have died, we've gone to paradise, the marriage has happened, and the rewards, we come back to earth with Jesus in redeemed bodies. There's the wedding feast that's on earth, the thousand-year reign of Christ, and I'm vastly simplifying this, okay, because I want you to understand the major points. And then we go through the thousand-year reign. While Satan is locked up, Satan's released. One more big battle. Not everybody rebels against God, but a lot of them do. Fire comes down out of heaven. Everybody's thrown into the lake of fire, including death, the grave, the devil, all the demons, and then everything is closed up. Where are we? 
We're on a redeemed earth. In Romans, Paul said, at the renewal of all things. When it says a new heaven and a new earth, it means that you're, it's going to be unrecognizable. It's no different than us when we are saved. We are a new creation created in Christ Jesus, right? But we're still in the same old body for now. Well, Heaven is going to be on this earth. It's just a redeemed earth. The tribulation is going to vastly, I mean, all the oceans turn to blood, the oceans dry up and everything. And I just want you to know that only after the great white throne of judgment, after the thousand year millennial reign, all of this stuff, that is when heaven starts that is your picturesque that everybody wants to get to there'll be no more pain no more suffering no more death no more anything this is when heaven starts heaven the technical term for it does not start when you die now you will experience some of that being in redeemed bodies but the actual heaven does not start until after the great white throne of judgment. But there is one really cool thing that is going to happen after the great white throne of judgment. And it's found in Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4. I heard a loud shout from the throne. What do you think that sounds like? Like a lion? Caca! No, that's not a lion. That was a crow. I don't know what the loud shout is. <laughs> Skadoosh. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, look, God's home is now among his people. This is the requirement for heaven right here. It's God residing with us. God could not come down before this for two reasons. Number one, he is absolutely holy. He is absolutely holy. He is light. He is love. And we, because of sin on this earth, we are like shadows. We would be obliterated in the presence of God just because of his holiness. We are shadows. He is light, right? So God cannot come down and make his home with us until everybody is redeemed. Everybody is in perfect bodies and the earth has been renewed by Jesus with our help, okay? I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself, can you see the theme in this? God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eye and there will be no more death or sorrow, crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. But don't focus on what's gone. Focus on what's there. I mean, listen, listen to how many times in just these two verses that John tries to show us the reason it's heaven is the presence of God. I'm going to read it again. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. That is the meaning of heaven is the presence of God in holiness and perfection and purity. This is when heaven starts. Heaven's main characteristic. We focus on the no more pain, no more suffering and everything. 
but let, let's get our priorities straight. That isn't what makes it heaven. What makes it heaven is that God lives with us right here. We get to walk with him. We get to talk with him, right? It's amazing. This is when heaven starts, but something else happens. How God gets here is in something that the Bible refers to as the new Jerusalem, as a new Jerusalem. It will come down out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband, and that is where the throne of God will be, and the Jerusalem will be in the same place that Jerusalem is now, okay? There's some really cool things about this new Jerusalem. Number one, in the center of it is God's throne. From God's throne flows the river of life right between two trees of life that bear fruit, 12 different sets of fruit in 12 different months, right? Even though that there's no time per se, there's still, we still experience things, okay? So the tree of life is in the new Jerusalem. And by this time, it is only believers that are left on earth. It is this people that we will spend eternity with. And it will be free of all the negative things. It'll be free of sin. We will not have any more doubts. We will be one with God. There's no need for the sun or moon. I didn't say there wasn't going to be a sun or a moon, but we, there's no more darkness. There's nothing else hidden. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that there are no more oceans and seas. Kind of hard for us. Now, there's still water, of course. I'm not saying that there's not bodies of water, but I think that really when it says that there's no more oceans or seas, it means that nothing comes between people coming together. There's no mystery. There's nothing like, well, we know 99%, but we've never been down here to see. No, there will be nothing covered up. There's no, I'm not going to say that there's not anything else to learn. There's just nothing else is ever hidden. Okay? So that there's no seas. Now, what will we be doing in heaven? Well, the Bible says that there still be nations. Now, I don't know that it's the same nations that, that are here today. And I think that it's kind of egotistical to think that you know, the way it is today is the way it's going to be forever because it's not even the same as a hundred years ago. I mean, nations have changed names and borders and all of that, but there will be nations. Okay. There will be nations. There'll be no need for the sun or moon because God's light will light up everything. Now, here's a little bit of a fun topic to discuss. Did you know that the, this new Jerusalem is going to be in the form of a cube, according to the Bible. And it will be about 1,200 miles in every direction. 1,200 miles square, north, south, east, and west, and 1,200 miles straight up. It will pass the atmosphere if it's a literal, you know, deal. And, and there's, there's different people that say that all of that is symbolic. The point is, is that there is a new Jerusalem, but what is this new Jerusalem? Do you remember when Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions? I go to prepare a place for you. This is what God has been preparing for us. We've been working for him for a thousand years during the millennial reign. 
right? The new Jerusalem comes down, and you're going to have a mansion in this new Jerusalem, and it will be your very own. I go to prepare a place for you. And it's amazing that everything that you read in the Bible is going to come true. As a matter of fact, Dr. David Jeremiah, I think I said this last week, I don't know if it's in the Bible study or the uh, deal, I read where he said that there's approximately 1,000 prophecies in the Bible, and about half of them have come true. So we're still waiting on the other half, and a lot of those other halves happen you know, like the prophecy that, that the church, which is us, is going to be the bride of Christ. Well, we're, we are the bride of Christ already, but we haven't had the wedding yet, right? So that will be a fulfillment of prophecy. And there's about 500 of these that will take place um, from the rapture on of all of this fulfillment of the stuff. Okay, Stephen. So, I hope you have enjoyed our sermon series on end times and I will leave you with the finish of the story and I better put on my glasses for this one chapter four heaven it was crazy just to be honest for 1,000 years the people of earth flourished under the physical reign of Jesus on earth it was a time of peace and prosperity for any who wanted to partake. But then Satan was turned loose and things went to hell again. Fights started breaking out amongst the people who had not died yet. Families were split apart and they finally understood what a devastating impact sin has on us. But just because Jesus has reigned here for a thousand years, that doesn't mean the rules change. You still have to trust him for your salvation and repent of your sins, even in the millennial kingdom. At the end of the thousand years, the devil rallied his forces together to attack Israel, but fire came down from heaven and smote the entire army. Satan and all of his demons were rounded up like cattle and thrown into the lake of fire for all time. The great white throne of judgment. All the redeemed, those of us who had given our lives to Jesus and been resurrected after our death, were called back to Israel. We can travel to any location instantly, and so when Jesus calls, you can obey immediately in your redeemed body. I arrived near the south gate of Jerusalem. Millions of the redeemed lined up for what we knew was coming, and then all of a sudden the scriptures came to life as the second resurrection began. Hell was emptied and all those who had rejected God were given new bodies. But even then, they were like rabid animals. Having been shut away in darkness and suffering for up to thousands of years, these folks needed to be put down. There was no good left in them because everything that is good is only from God and they rejected him time and time again. Jesus sat on the great white throne and judged those who had killed his people, blasphemed his name, and chosen other things than the great gift of grace that had been offered to all of them. The book of life was opened, and none of these people's names were found in it. The charges were brought against all of those deniers, and the verdict was guilty. As their denials were read aloud, they dropped into the lake of fire to suffer for all time. This is what is known as the second and final death. 
Then the lake of fire was closed up for all time and a trumpet blast signaled the arrival of God on earth in the new Jerusalem that came down from heaven, the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem came down from heaven and it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. We were all invited inside to see what Jesus had prepared for us. Each and every one of us has a room in the new Jerusalem. I say it's a room, but it's a mansion inside a city. From the outside, it doesn't look any bigger than the old city. But once you're inside, you can walk 1,200 miles in any direction, including up. God's throne is in the center of the city and the river of life flows out from there between two trees of life that bear 12 different fruits throughout the year. God in all his holiness now resides with us on earth. He walks with me. He talks with me. And he reminds me that I am his own. Never in your wildest dreams can you imagine what it is like to walk through a field of grass with the ancient of ancients, with God himself. His presence is the only thing in all of creation that is important, heaven. So I know you have questions. What is heaven like? There is zero stress. I mean, it doesn't exist anymore. Neither do things like fear, worry, anxiety, hunger, or even the need to breathe. We don't get cold or hot, and we never get tired. That's just a few of the things that aren't around anymore, but what is left? The things that make heaven so amazing is that there is a sense of limitlessness. That doesn't mean that we can do anything we want. We will never be God. It means that you never forget a name and you never have a brain fart. It means if you want to memorize the Bible, you can. And it doesn't take that long because you remember everything that you read. Speaking of reading, there are millions of books to read in the library in the New Jerusalem. Some were written long ago, but others are penned by God himself. All the chronicles of Jesus are there that list everything he did. The Bible said that if everything was recorded, it would take up all the books in the world. And I read all of the accounts of Jesus in one sitting. Who knew you could read without stopping for seven months? There are games like the Olympics, and there's even theater. Our eyes can see a man standing on the moon, and our ears can hear our name called on the other side of the world. Think of the most beautiful moment in your life, and that wouldn't hold a candle to anything in heaven. The earth looks a lot different now. There are no oceans or seas anymore. There is water in the form of lakes and rivers, but Days are crystal clear and do not hide anything in their depths. In a way, that's what it is like here. There are no more hidden things. Everything has been revealed. That doesn't mean to say we can't learn and discover new things. That's one of the perks of heaven is the ability to learn, grow, and discover new and incredible things. He guides us in our exploration because we are always with him and we know his will perfectly. Don't forget about the angels, though. There are billions of them in every form you can imagine. There are angels that look like dragons. There's angels that look like multi-headed animals. And some that even look like you and me. 
They honor us with their lives because we are God's crowning achievement and the object of his love. Their stories are incredible, and I often sit with them and listen for days on end. Listen, I know that this is a lot to take in, and quite frankly, don't try to figure everything out. It'll be a lot of work, and it really won't get you anywhere. That's why the Bible said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind can imagine the wondrous things God has planned for us. Are you ready? Because in all of this end times stuff, nothing you learned will be more important than this. Your very eternal existence hinges on a decision that you make while your muscle inside your chest is still beating. Once that stops, there is no turning back. Please, please be ready.